Brainstorming Basketball Podcast Draft Edition. Yosef, Nasser, Harry, Liao. My team does not own a pick. Yosef, let's start with you. How does it feel to actually – well, we do own a pick. We own the 38th pick. But how does it feel to actually own a first-round pick? Listen, we're not much better at 28. My, my big source of intrigue, I like the draft. I, actually, I love the draft. This is like top five days of the year for me, uh, along with the NFL draft. Um, and a few other days that are not coming to my mind right now. I love the NBA draft, and this has a chance to be a really special draft. Um, as far as the Sixers, 28, you know, we'll see. Hopefully uh, Cam Thomas falls to us. But, you know, if not, I'm going to enjoy myself regardless. Spoiler alert, Yosef Nasser with the Cam Thomas shout-out in the first minute. Okay, Harry, what about you? How do you feel with your Knicks going into this draft? Guys, I just want to say um, I, uh, I made hot sauce tonight. Like, I do, I put them in these little souffle cups, like a little condiment. And I just did the dishes, and I made a bleach solution. My skin is having a reaction for, like, <laughs> spicy. My finger literally feels like it's on fire right now, like my ring finger. I don't know if this is a sign, like, which chakra I need to realign. <laughs> Something's out of balance, dude. Dude, we don't have draft picks, man. We're going to trade everything for Thomas Sadaransky, lock it in, pack it up, title contenders. Um, that's amazing. We forgot to mention that Harry is zooming from the restaurant, from the new restaurant. So, you know, good omens as Harry swats away a fly. Uh, I don't know what that was. Um, don't do that, dude. I have an A right now for my food. Uh, <laughs> my bad. It wasn't anyway, a fly. You guys, let's go round table real quick and give me your hottest draft day take. Right off the bat, Yosef, what is your hottest take for this draft? Jesus. Um, we're, we're coming in hot. Can we do Harry's exercise where he said, I'm lower than you. I'm lower on, on this guy than you are. Yeah. We, let's get to I that. Don't, I, don't, I don't have a scorching right off the top rope. If, if you have one, lay it on me. Harry, do you have one? Yeah, I can. You know what? I'll do you better. I'll, I'll do both two things at once. I'm lower than both of you on this guy. Okay. And – it's this might be my no, this is like my second or maybe third hottest take in this draft. Um, what is it? wait, actually, I don't even know if I'm lower than you guys on this guy, but Kate, tell us, I think Kate is great, but I don't think he's the best prospect in this draft. I actually don't even think he's like the third best prospect in this draft. Wow, yeah, I said it there, there it is. That was kind of lame. I've heard like six people say that before hopping on. <laughs> really? So you're lying, dude. I honestly, I've heard pe- I've, I've heard people make the take that Kate is overrated. I, I personally don't see it. I think he's a very good shooter. I think that he's a good defender, and I think he's a good playmaker. Now the Lucas stuff is blasphemous. He doesn't have the quickness to me. He doesn't have the size. But I think it starts with the fact that he's a 40 percent uh, shooter. He's got great floor vision. At Oklahoma State. He didn't have very good teammates. So I think in the NBA, with NBA spacing, with NBA caliber uh, players, you know, he's going to be going to Detroit, presumably, with uh, Jeremy Grant and uh, Sadiq Bey. You know, Isaiah Stewart flashed the three-point shot. I think he's going to be perfect for that roster. I I just don't see bust potential with this guy. I think his floor is a very solid starter. Now, could he be – I was going to say, I I don't see him being a bust. Like, I want to make that clear. I think Cade is very good, but I think that if Cade was in, if Cade was being drafted the year before Luca, when was Luca drafted? 2018. Big meta shift. That's all I'm saying. 
and the meta shifted in Cade's favor. I, I just don't think he would be the number one consensus pick. And he's not the consensus pick. You know, everybody says that Mobley's in the mix, uh, whoever you want to put up there. But um, I just think that, like, where we are right now in the NBA, Cade is the archetype. Does, it, does that mean that he is the pinnacle of that archetype? No, it's someone like Luka Doncic, right? I mean, he's not a finished prospect. Let's be clear, like, Cade is a child. I mean, they all are. This is the draft. But do I think his upside is even close to that Luka level? No, that, that's all I'm saying. To be clear, I think, like you said, his floor, he's, Cade's going to be really good. That's period. So what are we willing to say his upside is? Because I think that, you know, in the NBA, you're looking for those jumbo-sized playmakers that you can build an offense around. Um, again, this is a guy who's a 40% three-point shooter. Um, and I, I think that – think about the way that we thought of James Harden, for instance, coming out of Arizona State. We had no idea that he would develop, you know, some – like – he, he was kind of seen, like, the, I remember the comp for him was Paul Pierce, like the old school game. And all of a sudden, you know, five years in the league, 10 years in the game, he's, you know, one of the quickest off the dribble. I'm not saying that, you know, Kate is going to be James Harden. What I'm saying is that we don't know, you know, they're, they're so young in their basketball development. Um, you know, Cade, you know, he seems like he's polished. There's still room for this guy to get better. There's still things avenues training he can do to be you know quicker off the bounce for instance I don't think he has the quickest first step right now but I do think like I said with NBA spacing you're going to see a difference uh versus in Oklahoma State where he put he puts the ball on the ground uh the defense collapse on him because they don't trust that the uh, other players can make a shot uh, I think he's going to be different and you know it's about archetypes so Kate is that jumbo playmaker Evan Mobley is the modern switchable big um who can anchor your defense and you can run offense through in the high po in the high post, the elbow, um, the low post. Uh, and then Jalen Green is that freak athlete, that dynamic scorer that as he starts to garner the respective defenses, you hope that he can develop into like a Devin Booker to where he draws attention. He's able to, to play make off of that. So it, it depends on like, I guess the upside, we're talking about upside on one end, but we're also talking about, you know, archetypes and what teams need. I, I do definitely respect Evan Mobley um, as a guy who should be talked about more than just, oh, you know, Evan Mobley's in the mix. Like he should be talked about as a potential number one pick. You know, we talk about the Anthony Davis, the Chris Bosch comparisons. And, and, and these are, you know, I don't want to say realistic outcomes because those are Hall of Fame players, but you know, the, it, it, it's in range. He has the capability to do it. But for me, I, I just look at a guy you can bring onto your franchise. He can make everybody better. He can sell tickets. Um, you know, I, I think Cade is the number one guy to man. But does he have the clutch gene coming right back to you? Austin? Well, actually, that, that's the thing I didn't mention is that he was one of the clutchest players. I think he was perhaps the clutchest player. So he does have the clutch gene on top of everything else that we talked about. Absolutely. Okay, or, hold on. Because what you just said, I thought was really interesting. I just wanted to hear this. This is like for me and for the pod. If you ranked your top three, just in terms of talent level, I don't care where they're going. I don't care about fit. Who is, who is in order your top three guys in this draft? I think Jalen Green has, of the top three, maybe four guys, I think Jalen Green has the highest ceiling and the highest or the lowest floor. Mm -hmm. Because um, when you have that kind of athleticism, um, when you have that kind of natural scoring ability, um, the sky is the limit. He could lead the league in scoring. And as guys get – you track like a Kevin Durant, for instance. You track a Devin Booker. 
um, as guys, you track a James Harden, these scores, as they start, it, it, it's almost like a rite of passage. As you become a respected scorer in the league, what, what takes you from good to great is your ability to make other guys better. So I think that Jalen Green, even though he's skinny, even though he wasn't good defensively with the G League Ignite, um, the athletic tools gives him such a high upside. I, unless Mobley turns into Giannis, which I don't see, you know, the offensive aggression, I, I, I see – you know, a very solid offensive player. I don't see a super assertive offensive player like Giannis. I think he's probably the safest pick. Let me let me answer your question. So your question was upside. How would you rank the top three? Pure, like, at the end of 10 years later, who who would you bet your money on for this number one guy? Who would, who would you bet your life on that this guy is – I would still go Cade. I would still go Cade because I think the floor is so high to where, like, you know – he can be a multiple-time all-star and, and maybe not live up to what people's expectations are. And I think his upside is, you know, a eight- to ten-time all-star because he's what the NBA is about. You can put him – I think when he's in his prime, you'll be able to play him one through four, maybe even five. I mean, he's six eight. He's going he's gonna to fill out over the course of his career. He rebounds for a guard. He shoots. Um, he defends. I think it would still be what my current one, two, three is, which is Cade, Mobley, and Jalen. Yeah. Um, I think mine would be, you know what, Harry, you, you really kind of teased us with when you said you think you would have Cade. You said fourth, right? Sure. I would have Cade third. Third. Okay. Well, you know what? The hot take that I was going to throw out there is I really do think that this this is not that hot, but I think that – um, this really is the greatest draft I have ever studied it's in my a fun life. Draft. It's it's insane, and so I want to preface this by saying having Cade fourth on my list is not like it's not meant to disrespect him, but I honestly look at it and I see Mobley as yep. a stud, and he would go number one for me. And then this is real recency bias because. As I was waiting for you guys, I just rewatched Jalen Suggs, and he's fresh on my brain. And I honestly like, wow, he's like to me the my perfect prototypical ball handler right now. The way he shoots the ball is so effortless. He can run pick and roll. He's a dog on defense. He has good size. I don't think he would get abused. I would have him number two, and then three coin toss between Cade and Jalen who I I love them both but yeah. that's how and, here, how do you have it I what what you just said though this is why I love this draft and this is why I want to ask you guys this question because I genuinely think again no disrespect to Cade or any of these guys if you told me like pick a name out of the 20s if you told me Sharif Cooper is the best player in this draft I'd be surprised by Sharif there are guys there are guys like that I'd be surprised by Sharif I I, I honestly wouldn't dude when I watch Sharif play okay I know he's like 6'1 but dude, this guy's like the fucking greatest passer I've like ever seen in my life. Like he's so gifted. And I watched like an interview with Sharif. Sharif's not on my top three, just to be clear. But I watched an interview with Sharif. He was like talking to somebody doing like the stupid like film room breakdown or whatever. And the guy's asking him, he's like, oh, do you go into, when you attack, are you thinking like, I'm gonna pass first and score to like keep defenses respectful of my passing ability? Or, you know, how, how do you kind of go into it? He's like, what are you talking about? like. I'm going to penetrate and then I'm going to 
make the defense make a decision and then I'm going to make the, I'm going to make a play. And I'm like, yes, that is, that is correct. Like to me, that signals that Sharif is like a very, very high level basketball player. The size is, is an issue, but even someone like him, like he's a, he's actually a stout defender for his size. You know, he's not like, it's not like you can't have him out there for 25, more than 25 minutes a game. Right. But even someone like that, like there's so many guys you go up and down this list. If you told me like Josh Christopher has a better career ultimately than Jalen Suggs, I don't think I would be surprised. I, it sounds like I'm trolling. I'm really not. I think that highly of like the talent level from guys like 15 to 30 in this draft. I really do think there could be some Manu Ginobili guy that's like, oh, that guy's fucking amazing. And that's the very unique thing about this class because you have the guys at the top that you put at the top of any draft. They would be like, these are really solid guys. These are potential all-stars when you talk about one through four. But you also have those guys who are highly touted high school guys, um, whether it's a Josh Christopher, whether it's a Brandon Boston, whether it's a Zaire Williams, Greg Brown, uh, Sharif Cooper. You know, he, he, he was pretty impressive at Auburn, so I don't want to include him. But, but guys who disappointed for whatever reason in college but still have that high school pedigree um, of being elite prospects. And, and they were that for a reason. And for whatever reason, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's the situation in college didn't work out. Some of these guys are going to pop. You study draft history, and there is an inordinate amount of guys like this in this group, which makes this draft so fascinating. And we were talking about off the podcast, obviously, about how the past three drafts have really delivered a high quantity of players who are rotation guys you know obviously 2020 you know you talked about it at the time disappointing at the top but you look at the list 20 to 30 guys are are, are going to be rotation players 2019 zion at the top john number two rj number three um but a deep class in terms of quality rotation guys this class there are definitely polarizing guys but i do think that some of them are going to pop. Some of them are going to plan out, of course, um, a, as is natural. But I wouldn't be surprised if – I'm not going to say better than Jalen Suggs necessarily, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone outside of the top 20 emerges as a top 10 player um, where you put him in front of, like, say, Josh Christopher. Um, anybody could look at Josh Christopher two, three, four years from now and say, you know what, he's going top 10 under redraft. Like, he, he's just that good. And there are a handful of guys like that that you can get – which is interesting because your Knicks, I think, have 19 and 21. And okay. normally you say, oh, 19 and 21. And, yes, the odds are low, but I think they can hit on one of those picks. For sure. They're in range for a lot of needs that they have. I mean, <laughs> I joked about – I mean, I'm, I'm like half joking about Sharif, but he could be a Nick next year. I mean, that's very possible if he Easy. falls in that 19 range. Like, if I'm a team in that range, though, I'm happy to be there. I almost don't want to trade up if I'm somebody in that range because – you're going to have to give up a lot to go up. And if you're in that spot already, you have multiple picks there, you get two or three chances, three if you're – six if you're OKC. You get a lot of chances to take a gamble with a higher payout than typically you would have at that position in previous years, right? So I don't know. I, I think it's such an interesting draft in that range. That being said, my top three are kind of like our mods. I, I go Mobley one. I think Mobley is like – capital S special, you know, I think he's, he, the way he moves, the way he sees the floor, you know, he's not, his passing numbers aren't out of this world, but when you compare them to the other guys that he's, that he's being, he's put up next to Davis, blah, blah, blah. He's miles ahead of them in terms of just seeing the floor, his vision out of double teams. Like, 
I, I just think he's such a special all-around talent. Like, people want to talk about um, Scotty Barnes being the next Draymond. I'm looking at uh, Mobley, and I'm thinking, dude, this guy is Draymond in Anthony Davis's body. Like, that's freaking insane. He can he, – to me, he projects as a guy who can do everything at the next level. And he's not going to have the same – He's not Wiseman. I think people are a little bit scared. No, of not at all. It's not. It's two different worlds here. I, I, I mean, Wiseman has absolutely no feel. They, they, they talk about guys who see things two plays ahead. Wiseman sees things <laughs> two plays behind. Um, yeah. Mobley, there, there are so many things you can point to statistically uh, that, that back up what you see when you watch him play. Take this, for instance. So, this guy, USC, had the number one defense against two po- – or the, the, they allowed the lowest field goal percentage on two-point shots. Mobley is the only prospect, the only NBA prospect on that floor. He single-handedly turned a Pac-12 team that has been not much in recent years into the best defense in the league. 50% uh, shooting from the mid-range, which is a very good figure, and it, it bodes well for his projection as a three-point shooter – uh, going down the road, guys who take high volume mid range shots, like you're talking about 40%, 45%. This guy's 50% uh, mid range shooting. Um, you talk about the fact his incredibly low foul rate. You you take it. I saw a stat over the past 20 years of all the hyped big men prospects, Anthony Davis, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, you name it. He's got the lowest foul rate. Uh, and the passing, the passing is unbelievable. I've heard people suggest that he's a better playmaker than Cade Cunningham as. as blasphemous as it may seem because of the fact that he's not going to turn it over as frequently his passes are pinpoint and he didn't get necessarily a chance to do what he would do in an NBA setting so I think when I see him projected to three um, he has a chance to be a transformational player for the Cavaliers and I don't know the Rockets you know obviously losing James Harden losing that caliber of a star. Maybe you say Jalen Green is the sexier player, but it doesn't seem like they've given Mobley much of a look. It seems like it's been, you know, Cade, you know, the Pistons have, you know, they've teased the idea of looking at other guys, but it seems like it's going to be Cade. Jalen Green seems like a formality at two. And then, so the Cavaliers are sitting there at three. Yeah, okay, you know, Jared Allen's a restricted free agent. They're probably going to match that, whatever. You know, you you can quibble about, oh, do the, the two big men fit? I mean, Evan Mobley said it multiple times. He had a presser a few days ago. He feels like he can fit with anybody. And with his shooting and his defensive ability and his passing, why can't he? Obviously, the ideal is to have him at the five and surround him with a bunch of playmakers – or, sorry, a bunch of shooters. Um, But why not? Dude, in his mind, I'm not going to lie – I'm definitely very, like 50% swayed by the uh, the ringer did a breakdown of Mobley. I think Jonathan Charks did it, and it was fucking awesome. And he spent like four minutes talking about the little brother syndrome, about how all the NBA greats are little brothers, because like you grow up getting the shit kicked out of you, and then you hit a massive growth spurt, and you're 6'11", and you have a 40-inch vertical, but you still have this little brother syndrome, and you've developed all these skills to like navigate around somebody beating the crap out of you in your driveway every night. And he has that like in his head. Yeah, he's playing next to Jared Allen. He's like, dude, we're not the same. Like we have no overlap. I can, I can fit around this guy, no problem. I, I'm, not, I'm not him, you know? But you put him on, on any team, I think he's got a great fit. Final answer, I go Mobley, Green, uh, Cade. Final answer. So why Green over Cade? I've talked a little bit about Green. What do you see in Green? I just think Jalen Green's upside, like you said, like he's the, he's the widest range, right? Like if you told me Jalen Green is the biggest bust in this draft 10 years from now, 
I, I don't think I would be surprised. I don't think most people would be surprised. If you told me he's the best, most transcendent player in this draft, 10 years from now, he's, he's a freaking whatever he is, 6'6", six, six, Allen Iverson. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. The way he can contort his body and his finishing instincts and, like, the way he's – his swagger is something I have not seen in a long, long, long time. And to me, that's something that doesn't go away at the next level, at any level of basketball. There are some guys that you just cannot tell them that they are not the best player on the floor. And most, a lot of times, that'll bite a guy in the ass, right? You see a guy like Deion Waiters, like that's hurt his career to some respect, but that's also made him who he is. But when you guy, you have a guy who has that mindset, but also has the talent and the skill to back that up, which Jalen, to be clear, Jalen Green, he's, He's a very raw prospect. He's a long way to go in terms of his his handle, how he how he attacks, what reads he makes, especially right. Like when when a defense collapses on him, he has to be able to think a little bit faster and not not have to think really. But when you're talking about raw, pure talent, Jalen Green to me is the most talented player in this draft. What do you think about Jalen Suggs? Because I don't have a problem with buckets putting him at two. I mean, I remember first watching this guy uh, when Gonzaga's season started, and I said, this guy reminds me of Derrick Rose at Memphis. Like, he's maybe not that peak level of athleticism, but just his tenacity, just his size at the point guard position, his first step. And I know it's blasphemous, and I haven't seen a lot of those comps out. You know, I've seen more of the Brandon Roy, you know, I've seen – but. I don't know, like, I guess my, like, he, he is the most questionable shooter to me, which is why I have him at four. But I, I can't deny the fact that compared to Jalen Green, I trust Suggs to make more of a two-way impact. And I do think that in a good situation, Suggs could, can be an all-star. I mean, Buckets, why, why, why two for Suggs? And, you know, maybe Harry, like, we haven't talked much about him. And Buckets mentioned, you know, him at two. I'm lower but. than Jalen Suggs. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I see, like, a combo of, like, a modern-day, like, Trey and John Morant type mixed in with, like, um, a little bit of Brandon Roy, but I really think he's going to be a point guard at the next level, and I really think that he just – he's everything that ideally in my head what a modern point guard would be in, besides the Luka types who are, you know, the bigger point-forward types – he can push the ball in transition. You always have to worry about him pulling up. He can score on three levels. He's a tenacious defender. He's freakishly athletic. I think underratedly athletic. Um, he's smooth. He's smooth. Very smooth. And he and he has <laughs> the clutch gene. I think. Um, I know that's kind of a over uh, misused term, but he really does have the ability to kind of buckle down when needed. Um, and I really just think that he he will be a top-tier point guard in the NBA. I don't see it. I don't know why. I don't see it. Like, I've actually – I think out of all these guys, I think I might – I've seen the most Jalen Suggs tape. But maybe that's why I don't like him as much just because I think I've picked him apart more than the other guys. But I, just, I think he's an incredibly fluid athlete. I just don't see the same type of strength and explosiveness as some of these other guys, you know, especially you talk about a Jalen Green. Like, I th- to me, Suggs is like – and there, this, there's nothing wrong with this type of player. This is an amazing player, almost an MVP caliber player in his prime. 
But to me, Suggs is like a Victor Oladipo type, right? He can handle pick and roll duties, but he's not, you wouldn't call him a pure point guard. He's not quite, I can make every pass at, at, at any time guy, like, like a Sharif Cooper or, or like a Mobley, right? Or a Cade Cunningham. He's not quite in that level of passer, but he's good. He's not quite at that level of shooter, but he can get hot. But to me, the biggest thing about guys like Oladipo is that they're so, so competitive in, in almost every facet of the game, right? Like you'll, you'll see Oladipo mixing up on the glass, you know, again, running his ass off in transition, taking on bigger guys off the dribble. Like, I think that might be Suggs' greatest, um, um, what do you call it? His biggest advantage over a lot of these other guys is that he clearly has that, that grit, that heart, you know, that's I think required to compete on like a big, big stage. And it sounds like mumbo jumbo, but it's, it's not nothing. I mean, the Bucks just won a championship off of pretty much like three things, you know, their stars, heart, and a bunch of injury luck. So let's he does get- it on both ends. And I, and I think yeah. that, you know, you, you, you point out the Bucks. Why can't he, in, whenever his prime is, why, why can't he have the same impact that Drew Holiday had for that Bucks team? Um, yeah, people are comparing know, and, him to Drew, too. And, and that's what's so special about this class, because we can pick apart all of these guys, but, like, ultimately, realistic outcomes are, are really impactful guys at the – Next level, buckets. I interrupted you. So. It's okay. I was gonna say, uh, let's get into the Harry segment idea. That we basically what this segment is gonna be is, we're gonna say, I promise you, I'm lower than you on, and then we're gonna insert the player's name. Is did I do that right, Harry? Correct. So basically, if you if if the person says uh, a certain player, that means that they are extremely low on given player. And we'll see if they're lower than the rest of us. But let's I do an example. Yeah, let's do an example. Yosef, do you have a guy in mind that you're low on? I do have a guy. I'm lower than both of you guys on Davion Mitchell. Yeah, you probably are. I actually like Davion. Yeah, I, I like him too. Although I did not know the six foot one and being twenty two years old thing until you pointed it out the other day, Yosef. Twenty two. He's, he's, he's six foot one. He's twenty two years old. He didn't start shooting. He, he shot outstanding this year, 44%, 65% from the line. I don't see him having the ability to get by guys. So when I hear people compare him to Donovan Mitchell, I think it's blasphemous. I think this is a guy that you draft as a DeAnthony Melton type, as a um, Avery Bradley type, as a Patrick Beverly plus type. But like when people are talking about this guy, you know, being an all-star point guard, do you think this guy is realistically going to come to the league and become even a top 15 point guard? I guess, you know, there are outcomes where he can become that and you hate to bet against that guy. What makes him better than Jared Butler? I think Jared Butler is a better shooter and, you know, has more versatility offensively. Obviously Davion Mitchell is the superior defensive player, but I mean, if you're in the NBA, like the top 10 point guards are dusting whoever's in front of them. So for for me, the the offensive translation is a little bit concerning to me. And I I think that the market has kind of cooled on him to where I'm more comfortable with the way that he's being talked about. If he goes to the Pacers at 13, for instance, to replace TJ McConnell, I would be okay with that. Um, But I think that I'm still lower on Davion Mitchell than the both of you, and you seem to confirm that. 
You know, you know who Davion reminds me of though. This Who's this that? is the only reason I have hope for him. Not hope, but like this is my NBA precedent. Can I can I guess? Yeah, guess. Take a guess. Is it is it Kyle Lowry? Close. Okay. It's Fred Van Vliet. Mm. I actually I see a lot of Fred in his game. Like the ability. Like okay, you know I'm just talking about Davion that we just saw who can shoot the lights out really get to his get to an outside shot whenever. But not a big guy, right? Fred Van Vliet is tiny but so crafty, competes his ass off on both ends of the floor, clearly can be a part of a championship team, and clearly can play off ball too, which I think, I think Davion, that's one of his big things is like, you know, I don't think he needs the ball in his hands to, to survive at the next level. Like, I, I think that this guy could realistically, given the right role, given the right fit, I think you could see him do some, some pretty cool stuff. Who is your guy, Harry? My lower than you guy? Yes. Josh Giddy. Wow. <laughs> Why is that? I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the hair. <laughs> the thing is, is that if you asked me like two weeks ago, I would have said Josh Giddy, but it's like, he is so special as a passer, man. And he plays with such a swagger. He was in this, uh, it was like, I don't know what you call the Olympic preseason, but it, it was like basically that, those, those uh, exhibition games. And I think they played, uh, I believe it was Nigeria. And, he was hit. He, he was hitting his shot. You know, he, he. You know, his passing is outstanding. He's got great size. When this kid fills out, he's going to be a tank, man. I, I see. If the shot comes around, I see a solid starter. Now, if you're telling me, you know, Memphis traded up to ten to to take Josh Giddy, that that's a bit of a concerning fit next to Ja. But I do think that there are situations where, let's say Chicago was that eight. Like I wouldn't hate Josh Giddy next to Kobe White and Zach Levine. Um, there are situations where his passing is just so special. Like, is he, is he a bigger Lonzo Ball? I don't know. I, I think somehow, some way. I mean, the youth. Uh, he, he's going to figure it out, and maybe maybe he struggles year one. I mean, he shot twenty nine percent from three last year, so that's not going to get it down. Maybe he struggles year one, but I, I just like that guy. So I, I think you're right. You are lower than him than I am, at least. The giddy the giddy Lamelo mashup is going to take over instantly. I'm not going to be able to check my social media for like four days. <laughs> my my guy is um is gonna be you know what i don't know what the consensus is with him but my guy is zaire williams and yeah. i just think he the the mock draft that i'm looking at right now has him at 20 going to the hawks at 20 and i just don't i don't think he's an nba player period okay like, Interesting, because well, I, I do think his range is all over the place. I've heard him mocked as high as eight, the Magic like him. Um, and, you know, I've heard him, you know, a few weeks ago, he was in the second round. And now it seems like his stock is creeping upwards, a potential target for the Knicks. Um, a guy with all the tools, but, like, watching him at Stanford, like, I, I just saw a guy who couldn't get to the rim. He's got a handle, but, um, you know, like, he, he reminded me of, like, a Cam Johnson who couldn't shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not an NBA player. Yeah, not not a very promising uh, thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. I think that his jump shot had one of the most ridiculous arcs I've seen on a, on a shot. And guys like Halliburton really messed up my ability to judge whether yeah, that kind of stuff matters. I don't think his shot's going to translate to the league. I don't think that he can get to the rim, like you said, Yosef. And I don't know what he is if he can't do those things because – if you're if you're talking about role in the league, if you're three and D and you can't shoot or get to the rim, I don't think you can play. But uh, we'll see. 
we we have a little bit of time here. Let's do the opposite of that experiment. Yes. Let's do the guy that you think you're higher on than than everybody else. Yosef, do you have a guy in mind for that? So I'm looking at Vecini's board. He's got Cam Thomas at 27. Um, I think Cam Thomas could be a top 15 player in this class. And I get that he doesn't pass at all. I get that he doesn't try on defense. But his shot-making ability is so special. And, you know, he, he, he has, like, some of the Devin Booker stuff in the mid-range. I, I think he shot 32% from three this past year. But it's because he was taking awful shots. If you get him in a decent situation – to where he plays a role or else he's going to be on the bench. Like I, I see like a medium range outcome for him being like a Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald is making $23, $24 million a year. I think this guy is going to come to the league. He's going to get buckets and he's going to get paid. He, he's got starting two guard potential. And, you know, even if that doesn't manifest, he's a really good sixth man. So um, I, I get the uh, – I get that he's allergic to passing and defense. And, you know, that's something that – but I, I watched the Smith thing with him, and he doesn't seem like a bad kid. It just seems like, you know, he, he is wired a certain type of way. And, you know, maybe you get him into a different program, a different situation. You can get a coach to watch film with him, show him where he can make reads other than jacking it up with two people in his face. Like, I, I believe in Cam Thomas. I think he's going to make it. You are higher than me on Cam Thomas. That's for damn sure, because I think he's a chucker. But he is. If he, I acknowledge that. Yes, you did. If if he, if it goes in, then it doesn't matter. So he's better than like I think you're gonna say Josh Christopher. Cam Thomas can actually shoot. Yeah, that's true. true, true. I, I was not gonna say Christopher, although I do love Christopher as well. Who is your guy, Harry? I'll give you two. They play for the same team. I think Kai Jones could be the next Christian Wood. And I think Greg Brown is low-key. Like, why would you not take a gamble on Greg Brown? If you're, like, end of the first round, start of the second, you're telling me you can't make this guy into Rashawn Holmes? I don't buy it. I think Greg, Greg Brown is Tyrus Thomas, and maybe a poor man's Tyrus Thomas. I, I don't see anything. He, he has no idea how to play. Um, Dude, late, early, early second round, I'll take it. I, I get him in the second round for sure, but that's – I, I just don't have a lot of optimism compared to some of the other guys that are, you know, rolls of the dice, uh, swings, you know, I, I just don't see it with that one. Okay. So zoom wanted to kick us out again. We were where we left off was the Kai Jones or, uh, sorry. Um, Kai. Somebody yeah, guys that were higher on than the rest of it, you know, guys, guys were higher on than everyone else. Yes. And what Harry's guys were is Kai Jones and Greg Brown of the University of Texas. And Harry, you, uh, you were trying to explain why you were so high on those guys. Go ahead. I, I'm just saying, like, okay, first of all, I think Kai Jones is, is a legitimately interesting prospect. And I think, like, I think in a different draft, he'd probably just be a top 10 guy just because of his size, athleticism, and some flashes that he's shown on the offensive end of the floor. Like he's, he's obviously extremely underdeveloped, but like, I just think this draft class is so loaded that he's falling to in these mocks to, I don't know, like late first round when it's like, you have a guy at that size who can jump like that, is that strong, that has shown flashes of like, maybe he can shoot a little bit. Maybe he can do a little bit of this finesse stuff. Like that's a very interesting, interesting prospect. Like, I don't know. You take a swing on him in the in the late first round, like it's a no-brainer to me. 
I've Brent seen him mock to the Bockers. I've seen him mock to the Bockers, Ty Jones, the Knicks. So hey, we'll take it, man. We need a Nerlens Noel. Uh, we need a Nerlens Noel replacement eventually. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I, I have I have hope that the like freak generational freak athletes are gonna find a place in the NBA because you don't you don't need to be that skilled when you're that big and you can jump that high. Like you can just you just have coaches tell you, hey, just go out there and be uh, do your best, DeAndre. DeAndre Jordan, you know, and it's like, okay. He has moments. There, were, there was a play I saw where he took it off the rim, went coast to coast. He looked like Giannis. Like, you yeah. know, so so I, I definitely do see that. And I do agree because of the strength of this class that he's been pushed down to, whereas in, in other classes he would have been a top 10 pick just off of potential. He has no clue how to play. But, you know, if you, if you get him in a good situation with a good point guard, I mean, I've seen him mock to Charlotte. Um, you know, him and LaMelo, that'd be pretty exciting. It would be exciting uh, seeing him in Charlotte, but I am completely out on Kai. I, I don't – It's it reminds me of Jackson Hayes, except he occasionally takes pull-up mid-range long contested jumpers. Are we giving up on Jackson Hayes? Why? I mean, he did get arrested I'm out. today. So. Out? I'm out. <laughs> I don't know if you saw Harry. He, he was arrested this morning. So This morning? Or last, late last night, early this morning. Yes, he was. I'm, I'm completely out. A dispute with the police officer. Yeah, it's uh, not looking good for him that, uh, He reminds him of Kai Jones. Was that what the dispute was about? <laughs> <laughs> the, Kai, the Kai thing, it seems like every year we have one of those guys in the draft that just is a freak athlete. And it's like, if this guy can just learn how to play basketball, he'll be really good. And it's like. Dude, sometimes it works, though. Like Mitchell Robinson or. Oh, Okay. I don't know if that worked, but we're just going to ignore that. Oh, <laughs> no Mitch slander here. I'm a Mitch slander. <laughs> Mitch is going to be successful no matter if it's in the NBA or if he's starting a dispensary. Well, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Let's not talk about the 2018 leader in win shares. Like, hold on now. 2018 draft, I think he's tied with DeAndre Jordan. Or not DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton, excuse me. Luka's number one, and then Ayton and Mitch are, are, are tied for two. So let, let, Does- let's hold off on the slander. Yeah. I will have you know, guys, this is Mitchell Robinson has the highest field goal percentage in a season in NBA history, besting Wilt. So j- j- just watch the next time you slander this guy. It's because he's a great shooter. That's why. Does Hassan Whiteside own any of the uh, best, whatever you said? What was the stat that Mitchell <laughs> Win Robinson? Windshare. Windshare. Does Windshare. Hassan have number one in that at any point? I feel like he might. Hassan Whiteside has the best Snapchat. That's the only award he has. <laughs> so. My guy uh, that I'm, I feel like I'm higher than is what I feel is a maybe a smarter version of Kai Jones. Um, not to say Kai is not intelligent, but I just like the way that this guy plays basketball. He is undersized, but I feel like he is a tank, and that'll help him protect the rim at the next level. And that's the Spanish guy, Usman Garuba from Real yes. Madrid. I really, I really do like the way his tenacity on defense. You're he wrong. Reminds... I'm high on him too, so you're wrong. Good because I think I'm the, I'm the low, I'm the lowest of him, but I, I do get the Garuba appeal, like particularly in the in the mid-teens. I just don't understand what he does on offense. R- a roll to the rim, strictly roll to the rim, and and I think he has actually decent touch with that little like floater teardrop when he catches it a little bit extended from the rim. But I think this guy is the perfect New York Nick. You put him with it. I'm, I'm dead serious. You put him with Tom Thibodeau and you make him the center. 
he's six eight, but he's two thirty. He's built like a freight train. Maybe Dude, he's, he's more built like OG Ananobi. Like he's big. Yep. I I think that this guy, this might sound like a little bit of hyperbole, but what you know, a lot of things that I say sound like hyperbole. I think this guy is Thibodeau's new Joe Kim Noah, if he can get him. I really do. I think that this guy is very intelligent defensively, and he has, even though he's undersized, he has a great feel around the rim, and he can out-muscle people. I really I've got really... one for you, Buckets. I've got one. What if you put him next to uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Alexei Pokushevsky in Oklahoma City? I love that. I Plant, love playing that center next to Poku. Yes, young in the league. I love. I love add, that as well. Add some book night or Kaminga to that. Like you know, we might be cooking with gas there. Speaking of Kaminga, we did not even discuss the elephant in the room, which is we mentioned the top four. What about guys five through seven? Scotty Barnes, James Booknight, and Jonathan Kaminga. We don't know if if that's where they'll end up, but those are the consensus in the mocks. Yeah. How do you guys, Yosef, we'll start with you. How do you feel about those three? Let's talk about Kaminga. This is a guy, as as everybody knows, it's well chronicled, viewed as a potential competitor for the number one pick uh, before the G League Ignite season started. His first three games were pretty good, and then he completely fell off a cliff. We, we were talking about Jalen Green's mentality, and um, Jonathan Kaminga is not quite that. He's kind of aloof um, in, in interviews and, you know, effort defensively. He's got some of the worst basketball IQ I've seen from a prospect, but I'm still in. I'm still in. He's so free. From the sense, I, I, I'm in from the sense that, like, okay, maybe you take Scotty Barnes at five over him, and I get that. Um, I don't. I don't get it. So you would take Kamingo over Scotty Barnes? A hundred percent. So, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, when you take a Kamingo – if you're in Oklahoma City or in Orlando, like you have to understand there are some real Andrew Wiggins, like Jeff Green possible outcomes here. And you just accept that because some of the stuff that this guy can do is pretty freakish. Like, I think that ultimately, you know, when he's in his prime, he's going to be a four. And he has some Pascal Siakam to him with his spin move, his ability to put the ball on the floor, get to the bucket. He's actually a decent passer. He's got a really fine-tune the raw edges of his game and he has to apply much better shot selection and effort defensively but um I, I there are a lot of people who are out I, i'm i'm a kaminga optimist buckets i hate to say it i'm a kaminga optimist yeah i'm buying stock he's, I, he's definitely not a little brother by the way <laughs> i i like kaminga a lot he actually kind of reminds me a little bit, not the shot doesn't remind me of him, but Harrison Barnes. He kind of yeah. reminds me of yeah. his body type. And Harrison Barnes at North Carolina was considered an athlete too. And I would, Kaminga is another universe. Yeah, I agree. Scotty Barnes wise, it's it's <laughs> Harry's making a, a stink face. It's those guys every year. I'm sorry, I'm never going to be that high on those guys. The guys like Okoro, the guys like the Draymond. He's better than Okoro, though. He's better. Yeah, you know, even Okoro. Have we given up on Okoro? I haven't given up on Isaac. I might be out. I might be completely out. (laughs) You have such a – And I was in Okoro Okoro stand last year, so. I I like guys like that, but, like, not over guys that – just flash the way that a guy that James Boaknight, for example, flashes Ooh. offensively. That guy is 
a freak of nature putting the ball in the basket. And to top it off, he has the athleticism of a Zach Levine type, potentially. I think he, he does have extreme athleticism. And then you're going to take a guy who's what a, a defensive stopper. I mean, so it sounds like I'm higher than you guys on Scotty Barnes, but I do get what you're saying. And I do get that both book Knight and Kaminga. I, I mean, you look at the guys who get paid, you look at the guys who stay on the floor during playoff games. They're these offensive players, but I just think that everything we talk about, uh, Kaminga's approach, his, his mental, his aloofness, like intangibles wise, Scotty Barnes is like, I don't know the guy personally, just, you know, I've done a lot of, you know, research and a lot of, you know, the the information I can gather in this position I'm in, like, he, he just seems like the ultimate teammate, the ultimate winner. And I just want to believe in this guy. I don't believe in his shot. Um, I don't believe in his offense. He was described by Sam Vecini. You know, you've got your three-level scores. He was described as a no-level scorer because he can't shoot from the mid-range. He can't get the bucket and he can't um, uh, shoot from three. But I just believe in his capacity to work to the point to where he's, uh, you know, it's blasphemous to compare anyone to Draymond Green, but like playing that type of role for a team, we haven't mentioned his passing, you know, his steal rate is off the charts. He's seven, two wingspan. You know, this is a guy who could be in that conversation as a Ben Simmons and he has a work ethic that Ben Simmons doesn't seem to have. So the magic, it's a weird fit because like I'm thinking of lineups with Markel Fultz, R.J. Hampton, Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter Jr. buckets. Like, where is the shooting coming from? I I, I get that, but there's a spot for him. And, you know, I I think he's going to be, when it's all said and done, he's going to be a successful pro. That was my next question. So let's assume we're all, we have the fifth pick and the top four go chalk in in some order. Who are you taking at number five? Harry, we'll start with you. Who would you take? Kaminga. Kuminga, no hesitation. Uh, actually, no. You know what? Give me Book Knight. Okay. <laughs> Dude, Book Knight is a certified bucket. Like he is a. You, you mentioned three level scorer. Like Book Knight can put the ball in the hoop. Yosef, who would you take at number five? That's the thing, buckets, is that you can game theory this thing out to where, like, if if your intel tells you that OKC wants Book Knight, and your intel tells you that. Uh, G state is scared off by uh, Kaminga. Like, why wouldn't you grab a Scotty Barnes and then get uh, Kaminga at eight? I, I think you have to kind of play that game. Um, I saw that Franz Wagner was actually mocked to the ESPN mock. They mocked uh, Franz Wagner to um, Golden State. By the way, he would be a perfect fit on both ends of the floor for that. So I think you have to really dive in. You're the Orlando Magic. You have to find a way to get the best two players you can with five and eight. And, and if you can capitalize on people being low on uh, Kaminga, um, I would do it. Now, now I would say, let's, let's say OKC was at five. I think I would take the swing for Kaminga because he's got the, the biggest upside. Makes total sense. I personally, I think I'm going to lean with Harry a little bit and go with Boak Knight at five. If I was, and I love Book Knight, by the way, I'm obsessed with Book Knight. I, I, I thought, you know, there, there was a period in time. I thought he was going to go in the teens. I was like, no, Book Knight is the seventh best player in this class. He's the top seven player. He's going to go six. So good for him. I, I you know, he, even though he didn't shoot it well at UConn, but I, I think it's going to come around. He is a, you know, arbitrage Jalen Green in terms of an athletic two guard. You know, people are, you know, he's going to go green is going to go two to the Rockets. I think Book Knight is in that same level of score as or athlete or, you know, 
within reason, he, he, he can do a lot of similar things. Any last final takeaways that you guys have? Any, any maybe other sleepers that we didn't mention or anything that you want to throw in here? I cannot believe we got through what, in, what are we at? An hour, hour plus? I believe so. I can't believe we got this far without talking about Sengun. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Alperin Sengun. I yeah. love him. He's we, my number eight player. I wrote it in my notes. I, I just want to read you guys this. I literally wrote this in my notes. Sengun, Sengun, I don't know, is either the Denny of Dio we were promised by Armand or the Denny of Dio we got. And I don't know, I don't know which one it is. That's Franz Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, uh, I, yeah, Are you lower than me on Franz Wagner? No, I, I like him and I like Denny. I still like both. But, you know, I think that we're all high on, on Sengun, right? We're all, we all like him. Yes, like him. very much so. Yeah, he, uh, he's very promising. He, his ability, his tenacity, protecting the rim. Yeah. He's aggressive. He has that, that alpha dog in him. And, yeah, he, he should definitely translate. For me, uh, that that was a good one because we should have definitely mentioned him. For me, I think the guy that I'm going to go with is in the dra- in the mock draft I'm looking at. He's projected at 30, and that's Quentin Grimes of Houston. I really, when I watch him, I see flashes of Chris Middleton. I really think he is a bucket getter. I think that he's a three level scorer. I think he's ideal to run pick and roll in the modern NBA. And I think that he's a really kind of underrated athlete. I think that he really has a ton of athleticism to him. Um, Besides that, I think that, you know, as we've been mentioning, this draft is going to be loaded with, with talent. So again, I want to reemphasize, thank you, Arturis Karnasovas for making sure that our team has no picks in the first round. Pulling out for the GOAT. AK. Yeah. Wait, I have two more. I have two more. JT Thor and Austin Reeves. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Yosef. Harry said he couldn't believe that we got through an hour. I could go like two hours more, man. I love the draft in general. I love this draft. Last draft was kind of drudgery because I didn't buy into it at all. It it turned out better than I thought. I said LaMelo was the number one player. I think Cade's going to be the number one player in this draft. Some guys that I want to quickly hit on. Um, you know, Shen Goon, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's in the Sabonis, Kevin Love tier. This is a guy, he won MVP of the Turkish League at 18th. Statistically, he's on par with what Luka Doncic, you know, maybe just a tier below that. I just don't like betting against those guys. I get the concerns, oh, is he Jalil Okafor? Oh, is he Ennis Cantor? That ignores the fact that he projects to be a better shooter. He's a way better passer. Um and he's just an animal down low. He also uh, speaks with, he uses a translator, which is interesting. You know, we'll see if you, I was watching his uh, Mike Schmidt's uh, uh, scouting report. He was, it was so hard to follow because he was talking through this translator, but um, you know, regardless, this guy on the inside is an absolute monster. Keon Johnson is fascinating. I don't think the the shit he, the way that he's fascinating in terms of being compelling, Harry. I don't, I'm not saying I believe in him. I do believe he can be one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. But this, like, fadeaway mid-range post stuff as a guard, like, I don't think any of that stuff is going to fly, and I don't buy the shot. I've told you guys this. He's, he's, he's going to switch places with, with Sengun. He's going straight to Besiktas after this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think if he's successful, it might be in a role like a Terrence Mann or a Bruce Brown have enjoyed success for – 
the Clippers and the, just basically as that small ball four because I don't think he has the skill to play on the perimeter. I'm high on Moses Moody, I think, as a 3 and D wing. You know, I've heard Mikhail Bridges. I don't think he's that, but I think he's just a very safe 3 and D wing. He can stroke it. I think his, down, his floor is like, you know, a taller, longer Contavious Caldwell-Pope who's made a lot of money in this league. Um, let me see. Any other quick hitters here? Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Exactly. The last guy I want to mention, Buckets, Chris Duarte. I, I am absolutely an ageist when it comes to the draft. This guy is 24. I don't care. I love this guy. I think he might be poor man's Clay Thompson. The shooting, the defensive intensity, like – Do you I, like more than Avion? I do. Yeah. I do. I buy the translation more. I buy the offensive game more. NBA I buy Red. the defensive game to a certain extent. He's bigger. Dude, more all those Oregon guys – that, that Oregon team is loaded. They, there's a, they're all dogs on the team. I they like put them. pros in the league, man. Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Dylan Brooks here. So, I, I'm so excited. The draft is like Christmas duty every year. There are a few guys. We, Rokas Yokobitis, like, you know, discount Goran Dragic. Like, Joe Wieskamp, like, could he be a discount Duncan Robinson? I am ready to go. BJ Boston, like, he, he was ranked in the top five yeah. in his high school class. Like, yeah. He Come stinks. on, Knicks. He stinks. He, no, he, he's terrible. He's so bad. terrible. <laughs> I can't even talk myself into him. But, I want Austin know. Reeves, dude. Austin Reeves is the next uh, Kevin Herter, dude. Mark my words. There we go. There we go. Thanks for doing this, Buckets. This was fun. Yeah, this you. was fun. amazing. And we will do another one, maybe recapping the draft and talking about free agency coming up in a few days. Do we have a Luka Garza take? Is Luka going to make it? Luka Garza, Iowa? You know what? Um, I think he is underrated. I'll put it that way. I don't know if he's wow. going to but I think that I don't, I didn't say he's going to make it. I just think that he's let's go bulls. Luca at 38, make it happen. No. For the record, Josh Christopher is who, who we want. In Can I ask you one question before we yes. close buckets? Yes. And you, you dodged this question when I asked you a few days ago, if go the ahead. bulls were at eight, who would you have wanted them to take that is in that range? Um, okay, let me think about it for one second. So at eight, I I mean Kaminga and Booknight are off the board in addition to Barnes in the top four. Okay, then I would probably say that I would want uh let's see. Judy, Franz Wagner, Shengun, Davion Mitchell. Give me uh Moses Moody. Give me Trey Murphy. Boring. So boring. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm Give lower me. than you guys and all of the freaking DeAndre Hunter, Cam Johnson archetypes in this draft. No, I'm right there with you on Trey Murphy here. I'm right there with you. No, give me Franz Wagner. Okay, give me Wagner. I love it. I love it. I love it. Wait, I what time it. is the draft? It's tomorrow, right? Yeah. Tomorrow, 8 Eastern time. Let's go. I'm so excited. It's going to be a I'm joy. So if it's a banger, we should just live call it and do a podcast. I'm, I'm down with it. Let's awesome. do it. Okay, guys. Hi, right, boys. Thank you for joining. Any last words before we wrap it up? No. Flavor-boom.com. Check it out. We're open. Come, come, to, come to Watertown, Mass. Thank you. Kobe White's the next step. Peace out, Hoopers. Peace out. <laughs>